Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing's podcast number 112 on April 27th of 2023. Today, I will be answering three questions received in the last week. Question number one. How do I overcome my fear of investing in the stock market? Dave is intimidated by investing, just like many others whose exposure to investing has rarely extended beyond a bank savings account. He is a successful, intelligent general contractor who I always call on when I need work done on my house. Being a reliable, conscientious, and fair businessman, I've never had a problem with any of the subcontractors he assigns my work to. I now needed some painting done, boards replaced, and a chimney fixed. Despite having a three-year backlog of work to be done, like always, Dave manages to accommodate his old customers. The gray in his beard suggests he is now in his 50s. Although he looks healthy, I know a few years ago he had a problem with cancer. After he reviewed the cost options with me, we got into a discussion about investing. A few years ago, I'd given a copy of one of my investment books. I gather he'd only glanced at it, but it was not forgotten. Investing, retirement, and providing for his wife's security had suddenly become something that was no longer somewhere away off in the future. He wanted to know whether I preferred term insurance or whole life insurance. I told him that I do not have any life insurance. Being an old man with adult children, a substantial growing investment portfolio, and no debt, to me, life insurance was an unnecessary expense. Knowing Dave's existing health condition, I suspected his purchasing of any form of life insurance would be expensive and difficult. I then inquired, Dave, knowing how successful you are, you must have substantial savings built up. My thinking was that if he was worried about his wife's future, then investing his savings in financially strong companies, paying high dividends, like I do, would not only continue to grow his wealth, but provide her with financial security from an ever-rising dividend income if something were to happen to him. He replied he did have substantial savings, but it was not invested because he now feared investing. A few years ago, he had invested in a movie production and had lost a substantial amount of money. I told him to read the book I'd given to him, and I would then do my best to answer questions or concerns about investing he might have. Later that afternoon, I received my Northern Ontario Business newsletter. It keeps me up to date with the mining industry and the area I grew up in. My father had been a miner, and I'd paid for my university education 
working in that industry. In the newsletter was an article announcing that Litter National Lithium, Canadian stock symbol ILC, and U.S. stock symbol ILHMF, had posted their first ever lithium and rubidium estimate. They believe there's potential to establish an open pit and underground lithium mining operation in northern Ontario. Both minerals are essential to the manufacturing of batteries for electric vehicles. Recently, Washington added them to the U.S. critical minerals list. China currently is the primary source of these rare earth metals. Anything to do with the lithium is of great interest to speculators looking for stocks that could quickly soar in value. By making this announcement, International Lithium was hoping to motivate speculators to buy what could become the next hot stock. The motivation of becoming fabulously rich was the bait. The article tried to establish some credibility by stating that International Lithium was founded in 2009 and was listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Dave's losing money by investing in a risky venture like an independent movie production came back to me, as did all the other supposedly hot investments that I'd been presented with. However, if International Lithium had survived for 14 years and was listed on a major stock exchange, surely it could be an investment worth considering. Within a few seconds, I was reviewing the International Lithium's investment data. Its share price was $0.06. Cents. It had no revenue. The operating margin was minus 3.42%. When it was listed on the stock exchange in 2011, the initial share price appeared to have been $0.33, cents, and it has never been that high again. Only 61,057 shares were traded that day on the stock exchange. Does this mean that out of the millions of possible investors that only $3,663 was being risked on this company? Comparing International Lithium to an established mining company like Rio Tinto gives you some perspective. Rio Tinto is traded on the New York Stock Exchange, stock symbol RIO. Its share price is $69.18. Investors bought 1,459,000 shares today. This risked just over $100 million by these investors. I suspect investors are attracted to its 13.14% dividend yield and its operating margin of 35.52%. Every year since 2001, it has paid a dividend. In 2001, its share price 
was $8.55. If you had held its shares since then, not only would you have realized an 800% gain in the value of the shares, but the initial $8.55 investment would have been long paid off in less than three years of dividend earnings. To build a financially strong portfolio at 20 carefully chosen, growing stocks like a real Tinto would not only be providing you with a growing income in your old age, but growing value of the portfolio would be giving you the insurance of a capital reserve to immediately be drawn upon if you ever face with an unexpected disaster. A portfolio of financially strong, high-dividend stocks is not difficult to construct, and once it is put together, it only requires a few minutes every month to monitor. However, if you are like Dave, you need to be shown how to build it. I do hope Dave reads my book and it overcomes his fear of investing because the other side of fear is freedom. Question number two. What should I ask someone trying to sell me an annuity? Annuities intrigue me because they appear to be such a poor investment. I cannot understand why anyone would buy them. I say this while receiving a $1,200 a month from an annuity that a previous employer gave me as part of a settlement. I would have preferred that they had given me the cash they spent buying the annuity. As a self-directed investor, I would have invested in 20 financially strong stocks, paying an average dividend yield 6%. Plus, the share prices would have grown on an average of 12% a year. In 10 years, this portfolio would have grown by several multiples and kept me well ahead of inflation. In an emergency, I could also have tapped into this portfolio by selling some stocks to generate cash. The 20 stocks would have provided safe diversity. From research I have done for my books over the last 20 years, I know that if you check share prices and dividend payout records going back 25 years, that it is not difficult to find 20 stocks with constant annual increases in share prices and dividend yield. The annuity people know this as well. They know if they get their hands on your cash and invest it, that what they pay out each month to you from their investment float is negligible compared to the profits they will realize. The salesmen are carrying on inexperienced people's fear of investing and their need for security, no matter what the security is costing them. If I were meeting with an annuity advisor, I would want to know the following. Number one, what is the minimum amount of money I would have to invest in the annuity? 
I would not be surprised if it were in the 50,000 to hundreds of thousands of dollars range. Number two, let us assume the minimum amount of money I would invest is $100,000. How much of a guaranteed monthly income am I going to receive each year from that $100,000 for the rest of my life? Number three, if inflation over the last 100 years has increased living costs by 3.5% on average, how will the annuity adjust to higher living costs? My assumption is that it cannot and will not adjust. Number four, if in an emergency I needed the money I had invested in the annuity, how can I take cash out of it? My assumption is that you cannot, or if you can, it would be with a very high penalty. Number five, when I die, what happens to the money? Do you have an option that the money keeps getting paid to my wife for the rest of her life? How would such a spousal benefit impact the cost in payments? Eventually, of course, the annuity company no longer must pay anything out of their float every month. All you invested in the annuity is now all theirs. If you had put the money in bonds, at least your state would have got back all the money you invested. It would probably be interesting to shop around at several sellers of annuities to see how much they compete with each other. Supposedly, the salespeople who sell annuities are paid a high commission rate worth about 10% of the cost of the annuity, which is a much higher commission than they would receive selling mutual funds or stocks, which would be a more attractive investment option than annuities. Annuities are not an easy sale. I'd be curious to hear how any annuity salesman actually answers my suggested questions. Question number three. Can people make more money as self-directed investors than working through an investment advisor? I gave an investment advisor a considerable sum that I had received in a settlement. He invested all of it in mutual funds. I swallowed his wisdom that it would give me a good retirement income for the next 40 years if I just sold off 4% of the mutual fund units each year. He said his annual fees would be so small that he doubted I would even notice them. In three years, that portfolio lost $300,000. Fearing a retirement in poverty, I took back what was left and set out to learn how to safely invest what was left as a self-directed investor. I figured I couldn't do any worse than what that professional advisor had done. Since my career was in commercial risk scoring, I decided to look at investing in stocks as just another form 
of commercial risk. I developed stock scoring software that guided me in my choice of stocks. Within two years, I have regained the $300,000 I had lost. The portfolio has kept on growing year after year, despite my finally retiring and living off its dividend income. 20 years has now gone by. The dividends keep giving me a generous six-digit income that exceeds my needs. The surplus is reinvested back into the portfolio that is now many multiples ahead of where I started. I no longer fear future poverty. I, for one, can say that I have made money without anyone but me being able to dip into my life savings. The conclusion I have come to is that anyone who is in the game of taking a piece of your life savings as a fee each year for supposedly managing your investments often believe their own propaganda that self-directed investors could not possibly be as successful managing their own money as a trained professional, when the portfolio shrinks under their control, they blame it on the stock market, the economy, the government, but never on their poor investment choices. When you are a self-directed investor, there is no one to blame for your financial results but you. This really focuses your attention on carefully choosing and sticking with what you have invested in. I have the distinct impression that investment advisors who typically invest your money in funds that are easier to sell than individual stocks really have no in-depth grasp of what the fund they are selling is invested in. They can usually only reply in glowing generalities as to what the fund is invested in. They might be able to mention three or four stocks out of hundreds in the fund. However, I know from having done the research over the last 20 years, there are not hundreds of stocks worth investing in. I find it enlightening to learn that it really is not that difficult to invest safely and well, nor does it require more than a few minutes of review every month once your portfolio is established. I can go for a year without being required to make any changes to my portfolio, yet the share prices of the 20 financially strong high-dividend stocks I own keep growing along with the dividend payouts. This has kept me well ahead of inflation and safe during the market crashes of 2008 and 2020. What I have also found interesting is that friends who've asked me to explain how I invest and then adopted my approach have had the same success I have had as a self-directed investor. For them, I built a website to help guide them. You too can visit it at www.safer.com.
betterdividendinvesting.com. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website. Um,